Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to cover our relationship with the most precious asset we have, time. Yes, we're going to get this whole time management thing down because with this superpower, you'll become the best professional you were meant to be you'll be a more efficient job seeker. Listen, I was working on a project yesterday and before I knew it, the day was over and I had only completed half the tasks that I had set out to do. Where did all that time go? What could have I done better? I know for me, there's a lot of room for improvement when it comes to efficiently managing my schedule and I wouldn't be surprised if many of you listening today are going through the same struggles. Well, enter my next guest, a big bad New Yorker by the name of Matilda Charnetska. Matilda is an NYU certified leadership coach who focuses on helping ambitious trailblazers, <coughs> career warriors, so they can get clarity on what's next and get there faster. She's the founder of Matilda Leadership Coaching, and she's helped clients all over the world alongside great companies such as ESPN, Forbes, and the Flatiron School. So it's time I actually get more efficient with my intros, so I'm going to launch right into the episode now. Here's episode 145 of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Matilda, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Chris? Good. I'll have you know I practiced your last name about 10, 15 times, as you know, but hopefully I did it justice. I'm sorry if I didn't. (laughs) No, you absolutely did. You hit it spot on. Much appreciated. Good. Well, Matilda, I loved hearing about your story as a career coach before we even had this podcast call right now. Could you please open up with your story of when you first learned the value of time management? Yeah, happy to. Um, Time management is something that, like many people, I've uh, found challenging here and there. And it's... um, uh, it's something that I've experimented personally with a lot in terms of different strategies and approaches and something that my clients often talk about as well as as a point of challenge. What I found is, you know, sometimes it just, I would say you, you really have to take time to make time. So the, the planning aspect of what you're going to do um, and when you're going to do it is is really important. But at the same time, there's there's a whole bunch of techniques and methodologies and approaches, I think it's really important to figure out what works best for you. And what I found is that for me, uh, it's a combination of things and it kind of sometimes depends on on the task or on, you know, the context. Yeah. And for you, like, I'm curious, like, was there ever this aha moment when you realized that, okay, it's time I actually make the time to get this whole management? I'm trying not to say the word time so many times, time management thing down. Like, was there, I guess, like this moment when you felt like it's just, it's time? Well, I think it was the opposite. I think I was looking for the silver bullet and for that moment of, oh, this is the the strategy. And I realized that that there isn't one strategy that is a one size fits all for everyone. And so I kind of, um, you know, I found what works for me and I found that when I work with my coaching clients, it's often, it's about what works for them as well. So I think that for me, rather than one aha moment, it was more, okay, I can kind of create my own custom strategy. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Because I'm sure there are things that people, you know, maybe not universally because it applies to each different person. And I get that. But what do you think some big mistakes people are making when it comes to their own time management? You know, I think some of the challenges is that people have a lot of to-do lists and a lot of to-do list items, but they're not prioritized. So there's this overwhelming list of, of things to do, but there's not really a prioritization, a second step that goes into it. Um, also, there's very often there's the temptation to put everything on a to-do list, but not really assess what is a task and what is a project. So having very vague things uh, like, you know, start that, start that blog post pretty vague, but having it broken down, you know, that's a blog post is a project and breaking it down into, all right, when am I going to pick the topic? When am I going to um, outline it as a research I need to do? And all of those things. So really uh, getting clear on what's a project and what's a task. And then um, just understanding. I want to go back to that one because that's that's huge. I think like for me, I'm always too generic. And when I first attended, I think it was is your presentation last year. I realized that that was one of the big mistakes I was making and something that helped me out so much as I learned to get you know clear on what I was actually doing for the week. So for instance, instead of saying something like just organize my marketing process, actually think about the specific task that I was meant to do, such as, I don't know, like create, I don't know, something simple really helped me. I think like create spreadsheet for the people that are on my marketing team or something like that. Is something like that specific, like like you're talking about, is that specific enough? Yeah, as long as you know that it, what that means. And as long as you're clear on having an estimate of how long that'll take. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And that's that's a big challenge too. We tend to underestimate how long things take. I mean, time is, is such a, an interesting thing. Uh, we tend to... Uh, underestimate how long things take and we tend to overestimate how much we can fit into a day, but then we tend to underestimate how much we can accomplish in a longer period of time, like a year or a decade. Right. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I think that's key. What are some other mistakes, do you think? Some other mistakes are underestimating how much time something will take and, and just really not having that skill developed of, is this really just 15 minutes or is it actually a 45 minute project and what are the things that that might get in the way or what are some of the things I need to remove as blockers or things that I need to to set up so that it's already ready to go uh, without the the setup process at the start of it that might slow things down. Another common mistake is uh, not having good boundaries when it comes to notifications, Slack messages, text messages, emails. Yeah, I mean, that's such a big one. Like for me, I felt like, you know, I get so distracted when it comes to every slack message or every even emails to be honest like it's something that i used to compulsively check every single opportunity that i got so what it would do is it would draw my attention away from the specific tasks that i had at hand so i'll pick up that question just a little bit but do you have recommendations for what people should do when it comes to these notifications and setting boundaries like where should i even start some of it is you know kind of within your direct control some of it might be challenging depending on the norms within the company culture. But I do think that it's important to to set aside time where you're not accessible and you're not available and to communicate that, whether that's saying, you know, I really need to focus between two and four and I'll be getting back to emails and notifications at four, uh, or whether that's 
uh, saying, you know, I'm, I'm on Slack all the time from uh, noon to two. And then, you know, I, I got to hit pause on that for a little bit, but, but I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I think anytime that you answer emails immediately as they come in, it's easy to feel like you're being super productive because you're getting it done and you're checking it off the list. And, and in a way you are because you're not necessarily, you know, d- depending on... Depending on the job, right? Yeah. It, it really does depend. Absolutely. Because sometimes that is product productive to answer those emails and to be really present and to, you know, move things forward and not be, you know, the person people are waiting on. On the other hand, in most jobs, you need time where you're just in the zone and you're in the flow. And every time that you're interrupted, I've seen studies that it can take between 15 to 25 minutes to get focused again after an interruption. We have this myth that we are good at multitasking, but brains are just not designed to multitask. What we're doing is we're task switching at a very high rate, which is exhausting, which is why so frequently when we have a day full of interruptions, that we feel so tired at the end of the day because our brains are exhausted from doing so much task switching and then trying to refocus. And that, Matilda, would be why the last few months, I think, have been not every day, but like overall, these last few months have been very stressful for me because I have been trying so hard to balance both these intense major projects that require this deep level of thinking with answering emails. Like it's been this constant struggle for me because I feel just really exhausted at the end of the day. And then I have to start the next day um, and, and prioritize that. But you're telling me just based on what my goals are at the time, I should really look to block out these chunks of time and be, I guess, more intentional about when I answer those emails. Absolutely. And it's tricky because it's going to be it's not just boundaries with other people and training other people that you don't necessarily respond immediately because if you set that expectation, right, then um, then people are going to to start expecting that even more. But the other part is is setting those boundaries with yourself. And that is actually more challenging because our brains are wired to look for novelty. Our brains are wired to... Also, the technology that we use, so much of it is designed to be compelling and designed to be addictive. If you look at you know business models and the... Um, strategies of the major tech companies, especially on social media that we use, time spent on the platform is a huge metric that these platforms are trying to continue to increase. Yeah. Um, so, but that translates because that becomes a habit to keep scrolling down the infinite feed. It becomes a habit in, in our email as well. It becomes a habit in anything else where there's a potential notification. So every time there's a notification, whether it's a Slack message or an email or somebody liked a post or somebody replied to something, our brains create dopamine and we get this this good feeling of, ooh, something new. What could it be? And um, so it's actually harder because we're wired to seek novelty and novelty is now we're, we have an overabundance of it the way our technology is set up. So it's actually going to be in some ways harder to create that with yourself initially, um, potentially than it will be with other people. Because, you know, even if you're not in your email, you might find yourself switching to your email tab or your email program just out of habit, just out of curiosity. Maybe there's something new. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, do I put a blocker on my, my email? Like, how do I practically make this happen? 
Some people have found that to be effective and necessary. You know, there is software out there that will restrict your access to to certain programs or certain websites during certain times. Uh, there's a lot of Chrome extensions that that do that, and a lot of softwares that you can try out. Um, or you just make a commitment to yourself and know that you're not going to execute it perfectly. Know that you're going to have to ramp up. Uh, so you know, practice with. All right, I'm going to focus on this for 15 minutes and do just this and notice every time I have the urge to check my email, even though there's zero reason to check my email and I have the notifications turned off. I'm going to notice every time that I pick up my phone for no reason, just out of curiosity, just because it's there. Another fun fact, I saw a study that actually shows that our brains, our IQ decreases when there's a phone on the table, even when it's face side down. So because <laughs> because our brains are so distracted by the potential of a notification that there's brain power that's being used. My phone is right in front of me on this podcast. I'm going to put it down underneath my chair right now just to actually practice what I preach now. But wow, that is incredible. I think this for me is huge. This is it's such an eye opener for me. And I love what you said about it really detracts away from from kind of like these tasks at hand. And it does it does hit that dopamine neurotransmitter in your brain. So I think that's such good advice, Matilda. I think it's great. So what's the best way that I can become effective with my time? And I know you've said that it is really depends on each person. It's It really varies. But if I'm trying to get on my own journey of becoming a better time manager, where should I even start? Start with being really clear on what you're doing right now that's working and not working. You might even write it down on paper, create two columns. These are the strategies that work. These are the strategies that are not working for me. And then really assess what in that challenges column can you, uh, you know, wh what's kind of the root of that? Is it distractions? Is it lack of clarity? Is it lack of focus? Is it energy levels? That's another topic is so much of time management is energy management. So sometimes it's true. we, yeah, sometimes, you know, we, we have scheduled things arbitrarily in our day without taking energy into account. Some people are really sharp and fresh in the morning. Other people take a few hours to really get their brains to wake up. So if you're scheduling those, those projects and those tasks that you need deep focus for, in a, during a time of day when you're in a slump, it's going to be a lot harder to get that focus and to be effective with your time if the task is not meant, matched to your energy levels. Right. I love that. It's kind of drawing in from your own self-awareness and actually writing it out. I'm a huge fan of writing it out, if, as I've told people on this podcast before, because it's something that your brain does, I guess, when you get it out on paper. But I recommend people do exactly what you've said. I just think that's brilliant. So this has been great so far. You have given such an eye-opening, fantastic way to start thinking about time management. And I think this is going to be essential for some people. Let's help some people with some things they can try today. So what are some techniques that professionals or job seekers even can try so they can be more effective with your time? One technique that I really like because it's pretty easy to implement and it's really going to bring to the forefront what your distractions are and where the challenges of staying focused are. But it's simple enough to really try it out and be successful as well, but also scalable so you can extend it to longer periods of time. It's called the Pomodoro Technique. 
And the reason it's called the Pomodoro Technique is because it was invented by an Italian and Pomodoro means tomato in Italian. And he would use one of those old kitchen timers that was in the shape of a tomato and turn it <laughs> to however many minutes. And then it, when the timer goes off, it's like this really loud bell. That's the history of the name. But the technique itself is that you have sprints of focus followed by a break. And you have several sprint, short break, sprint, short break, sprint, short break, and then you have a longer break. So that's that's the premise behind it, is that our brains are able to stay focused for certain amounts of time. I believe that the, the original Pomodoro formula is 20 minutes, 5 minutes, 20 minutes, 5 minutes, 20 minutes, 5 minutes. And you do that for three sprints, and then you take a solid 15-minute break. 15-minute break, okay. And during that break, you, you do not work. You step away. <laughs> you do something completely different. You let your brain relax. You get distracted by all the notifications. You reward yourself with, you know, diving into whatever it was that you were tempted to dive into, whether that's email or social media or watching something or whatever it is. And then you go back to focus time and you go back to sprint, short break, sprint, short break. The thing about Pomodoro Technique is you have to figure out the duration of those sprints for yourself uh, because it's going to really, the, the more you customize it, the more you figure out what's best for you, uh, the more effective it'll be. So for some people, that's going to be 15-minute sprints. For some people, that's going to be 25-minute sprints. Um, I've worked with clients who say, no, like I really need 45 minutes because my work requires so much, you know, takes me so much time to even get into this creative space or whatnot. Um, and I don't want to interrupt it. And when the alarm goes off, I get stressed out because I'm not done. I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> cool. Then keep going. But figure out what that sprint is. But it is really important to have those little five-minute breaks in between the sprints. And if your sprints end up being longer, to have longer breaks so that you're allowing your brain to, to recharge and you're not exhausted by the end of the day. Yeah, it's funny because uh, when you first gave that presentation over at Capital Factory, that was one of the things that I actually implemented. And still to this day, I am I use my phone, actually. So I have a timer on my phone. and I, I hit the start stop. And what you said, it just rings so true about the length of time varies per person, because I tried the 20 minutes and for some tasks, it does work really well. For instance, if I'm answering emails and I like I can work in kind of the micro, so to speak. 20 minutes works great. So I'll start, stop, start, stop. But if I'm working, and this is just me, I'm not saying for everyone to do this, but if I'm working in more deep projects that may take three to five minutes to get my brain warmed up to some math formula or something like that, then my sprints need to be a little bit longer. So 40 minutes works great for me sometimes. So I'll do the 40 minute, five minute break, 40 minute, five minute break. And I've been doing 15 minutes consistently. So you're saying the 15 minute long break is pretty good? Yeah. 15 minutes is a solid amount of time to just step away and refresh. Yeah. But would you say that it may make sense to start decreasing or start, I guess, decreasing the time that you have during these sprints as your day gets longer because I get tired or <laughs> like towards the end of the day? And that's again, going back to energy management and time management really going together. Yeah. So then when you're starting to hit that slump, you either adjust what you're doing to match your energy level. So whether that means making the sprint shorter or you figure out what re-energizes you and you go do that. Okay. And how many of these sprints should I be doing per day? Is it just, is it endless or is there an actual number? 
there's not an actual number. It really depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it. So, you know, and most people have some meetings throughout the day as well. And that's not really a sprint. Uh, it's a meeting. <laughs> so it's a different mindset. But I think it's really dependent on what's working for you. And if the Pomodoro technique is something that is really keeping you focused, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I have a client who finds, and this is very human and very true for a lot of us, but uh, really needs accountability to really start getting things done. And it's really challenging for a lot of people to be outside of a physical office right now to, you know, to be working remotely, working from home can be challenging because you have a little bit less accountability. You don't have your coworkers around you being productive and that kind of influencing and inspiring your own productivity. You have to self-generate it. Uh, so I have a client who's been working from home and adjusting to it and decided to create virtual co-working, host some virtual co-working over Zoom and just invite people to join in and do these sprints together, you know, so it'll be a carve out, whether it's an hour or three hours. And at the top of it, everyone says, all right, and I'm going to use this time for X. And by the end of this time period, I want to get to this point of, you know, completing X. And it's really cool because it's, you know, it's, there's that, that group accountability factor. And even though no one's really talking, everyone's just zoom on the background and people are just watching each other, it's highly productive because there's that, you know, that accountability factor. That's fantastic. And also just a really creative way to, during this time, hold each other accountable because it's been tough. We had another, it was a work strategies from home podcast. And I told this person, Jackie Mitchell, how hard it was for me to work by myself. So that is a really cool idea. All right. So what is another technique that we can use today to manage our time better? The urgent important matrix, it's also known as the Eisenhower matrix. Eisenhower apparently used this a lot. I, I first heard about it through Stephen Covey and the seven habits of highly effective people, um, which is a great, great book. book. Jinx. Yes. It is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's reading it now. I've, I've only read select chapters, but it's time to actually break it out and do a full read through. But that's, I've heard so many things about that book. Yeah, it's a book that I've read and reread and there's there's always something more or something to be reminded of. Oh, yeah, that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the urgent important matrix is you draw a grid and you have four quadrants. And on the left side, you've got, you know, urgent or not urgent. And then you've got important or not important. And so you have things that are urgent and important. You have things that are urgent, but not important. You know, the distinction between urgent and important is really oftentimes things that are urgent or the urgency is external sometimes, not always, but sometimes if, you know, if, if someone says this is urgent, it might not necessarily be urgent to you, but it is urgent contextually. And important are often the things that we know are going to make a big difference and we know are going to lead to big progress, but they tend to be more of the, the project things and the things that take a little bit more focus that are easy to, easy to set aside because urgent has so much more charge. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Like that email that you've just received right now from someone who wants an answer now versus that big project that you know is going to drive yourself forward or drive your company forward but it's just going to take some time and it's, there may not be that pressing deadline. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So in the in the first quadrant, important and urgent. These are immediate deadlines, things that are important. Um, there is some kind of time factor that's involved in it. Important but not urgent are the long-term strategies and goals. These are the things that we put off most frequently because they are long-term, so they don't have that <laughs> that intensity. Uh, so it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll work on that tomorrow. Uh, and then that becomes, <laughs> is always tomorrow. The um, urgent but not important those things are time pressured. They're often, you know, as, as we talked about, they're the external time of that urgent email, like, I need this. And then you've got not important and not urgent. So these are distractions. These are procrastinations. These are the um, the alerts or the number of likes or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? Or random sales emails that sell a product you really don't want. <laughs> that too. Yep. So one thing that's really interesting to do is to look at this matrix and map out, there's two ways that, that I recommend um, starting to use this matrix. One is take what you're doing now, do a retrospective on your past week. And for each day of that week, you know, look back at your to-do list or just in your memory. What did you do that day and which quadrant was it in? And kind of see where, where have you been spending most of your time? Which quadrants are you hanging out in? most frequently. And then that'll give you some data and you'll, you know, again, it's, it's very common that we spend the least amount of time in, um, in important, but not urgent, the long-term strategy. And, uh, and, you know, and very often we spend a lot of time in quadrants three and four with the time pressured external, the distractions and the procrastinations, um, and then a good amount of time and kind of the immediate important deadlines, right? That is so huge. Yeah. So, um, so you'll definitely collect some data and you'll kind of notice, but you know, don't be, don't be self-critical or judgmental. Just, just notice it's just, it's a data point. And what you do with that data point is more interesting than the data itself. Cause that's in the past. What's more interesting is what do you want to do about it now that you found that it's on the surface? Yeah. And so what you can do is start planning out your next day and eventually your next week based on what quadrants you want to be spending more time in or less time in and and just start experimenting. What would it look like to really commit to spending an hour in quadrant two? And what is that specific thing that's important, but not urgent? And how are you going to commit to doing it even though it lacks the urgency? Yeah. Because it is a long-term goal. It is something that you say you want to do. Yeah. You've been saying you want to do, but what do you need to do to to commit to being in that quadrant to move the thing forward. I love that. And I want to bring up a specific example of something that has helped me because I don't know whether it was, it was the voice of you in the past that really got to me or just something that happened in parallel. But I have been spending a lot of time on urgent versus important and, and kind of having this self-awareness. And one thing that I've always wanted to make happen was just to have a, a podcast that gets better and better, like that has more relevant content that just continues to help more and more job seekers. So I would put that in the important quadrant, but not necessarily important, urgent, because the podcast seems to be doing fine. People are getting value from it. They're happy. But in the rather urgent quadrant, and I would put this under important as well, I've had like that task to do. And it's so urgent because I have to get these podcasts out on Mondays and Thursdays. 
for me, being able to look at that urgency and saying, how can I find a way to either automate that or delegate it has helped me tremendously. So I found a podcast editor. This person is helping me so that way I can focus more time on what's important, which is to help move the needle on this podcast content. I can't emphasize enough how much I believe in what you're saying. I just think it's so powerful. Yeah. Sometimes we try to do it all ourselves and assessing what can you let go of. So in your case, you were able to bring someone on board to take things off your plate. And so delegation is such a huge part of time management, figuring out how you can either automate or delegate or just eliminate. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. That was awesome. You're welcome. Okay. I want to hear how can people find out more about you? I know you have a website for career coaching, but what what's what's next for Matilda? Yeah. So uh, definitely uh, you can pop by my website, matilda.me with a Y. So M-A-T-Y-L-D-A dot M-E. Um, uh, on email, I'm M at matilda.me. On Twitter, I'm at Matilda. And um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and for anyone who's interested, uh, you know, uh, feel free to, to email me. And I always offer a, um, a complimentary discovery session if I can help you on your journey towards a career change or on your journey towards uh, any other kind of transformation. I'd, I'd love to talk about um, how I can be of support of that. Um, and then um, I can also... Um, I think Chris, you and I talked about uh, we can put a uh, the the quadrant that we talked about the urgent important matrix um, in as as a download for for your listeners. Ooh, gotta love freebies! Always helpful to get those handouts. Awesome! And as all of you know, I'm going to include this uh, the website as well as the social handles of Matilda within the description of this podcast. So look out for that. Her name spelling is very unique. So make sure to check the description and then click into that that link there. But Matilda, I can't thank you enough for doing both this and our, our bonus episode that listeners are going to hear in a little bit. But thank you so much for being on the show. I thought you were so informative and so helpful. It's been my pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, this concludes our Career Warrior podcast all about time management. Wow, this was a topic that we've never covered before in so much detail. And I'm finally, finally glad. I'm glad that we finally actually got this this down in the works because this is such an important topic. How can we manage our time better? And as Matilda says, this is a very, very special thing for you. This is a unique opportunity for you to discover what works best for you. So get out your journal, become self-aware of how you work best, where your energy levels are, and how, how essentially you can manage your time better. So I'm going to include a few other helpful links within the description as well, such as how to beat procrastination and rejection therapy, since we touched upon that a little bit here. So thank you so much. This concludes our Career Warrior podcast. Go out and have a nice day.